We now have live on the news line with us Professor Alan Dershowitz of Harvard, who has been announced as one member of the president's legal defense team. And Professor Dershowitz, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm uh, playing a limited role in the defense. I'm only going to make the argument, the constitutional argument, against the articles of impeachment. It's an important role because that's a central issue in the case. But I'm not going to be part of the strategic defense team. I'm not going to be involved in the issue of witnesses are calling. I'm not going to get deeply involved in the facts. I'm going to really be an advocate against impeachment based on the Constitution. So what does that mean you're not going to be part of the legal defense team? Are you acting as the president's lawyer in this case? I am acting as a lawyer on the president's side of the impeachment issue, but I'm not a full-fledged member of the team in the sense that I'm not participating in strategic decisions. I'm not getting involved in the facts. I've done this before in other cases where I've appeared in a limited capacity focusing on my expertise, but I am an advocate. I am strongly opposed to the two articles of impeachment, and I will make a hopefully very strong argument against these two articles of impeachment. The beneficiary of those arguments will be President Trump. So Definitely, I'm on his side, but I'm, it would be misleading to think of me as somebody like Jay Sekulow or, or Pat Spione or some of the others who are organizing and directing the whole defense. That's not the role uh, I've agreed to perform. But what distinguishes you from the law professors who uh, testified in the House impeachment proceedings as witnesses? Are you more akin I'm to a witness? A witness. You're not I'm a not witness. a witness at all. No, I'm not a witness. I'm an advocate. I will advocate a position. I will strongly uh, try to support uh, the case that's being made by the president's lawyers against impeachment. Um, I am not neutral on that issue. I am neutral politically. I would be making exactly the same argument if uh, Hillary Clinton had been elected and were impeached. I made similar arguments uh, when Bill Clinton was impeached and I actually also made some arguments uh, in the media and as a board member of the ACLU when Nixon uh, was impeached. So I've maintained a consistent position uh, over the past half century, which is a lot more than I can say for some of my friends and colleagues who don't seem to pass the shoe on the other foot test. For them, it depends on whether it's a Democrat or a Republican who's being impeached. For me, I'm a liberal Democrat. I voted against Trump. I voted for Hillary Clinton. But I don't allow my... uh, partisan interests that way my constitutional analysis is the trump defense going to be that a president withholding military aid and uh, pressing for a favor from ukraine is not an abuse of power well that's going to be uh a part of the defense i think the defense will also be that he didn't do it but i'm not involved in that part of it my defense is that an abuse of power is not an impeachable offense that is the framers thought about abuse of power as a possible criteria they did not put it in the constitution And so abuse of power is simply not an impeachable offense, nor is obstruction of Congress. That's the main thrust of my argument. If uh, the president continues to not allow administration officials to testify in the Senate trial and does not produce uh, documents that have been requested, isn't that, uh, 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 I hesitate to say proof, but doesn't that indicate that uh, there is obstruction of Congress? No, that's the president's uh, right, that all presidents have that right to demand that the legislature go to court. And if the court ordered the president to produce something and he refused to produce it, that would be very different. But uh, 
Alexander Hamilton in Federalist uh, 78 said the courts are set up to be umpires between the executive and the legislative branch. So if there's a conflict, if the executive branch says, no, we're not going to respond to your subpoenas, we think they're unlawful, we think they violate the executive privilege, and the legislative branch says, no, you have to comply with the subpoena, the legislative branch doesn't willy-nilly win. They have to go to court and get the court to rule in their favor. Let me give you an example. John Bolton. John Bolton should not be compelled to testify uh, because uh, he had privileged communications with the president, presumably in the Oval Office, uh, about national security matters. Uh, it's hard to imagine anything that comes more clearly within the executive privilege than that. Now, he may have to answer questions. What's your name? What did you do previously? But when it comes to what did you and the president discuss about uh, the Ukraine or other national security issues, the president has the right to invoke privilege there. And then the courts have to make the decision. So, no, it's not an obstruction of Congress uh, for the president to invoke separation of powers and checks and balances. That's his right as president, as head of the executive branch. The Government Accountability Office has said that a law was broken in the act of withholding the aid from Ukraine. That is part of the fact pattern that has been alleged uh, under the abuse of power charges. If a crime was committed, isn't that impeachable? No, first of all, it wasn't alleged because it just happened. So it's not part of the impeachment. Second, the GAO is simply dead wrong. They got it absolutely backwards. What they said, and I think I'm paraphrasing or coming close to quoting, they said the the president has no authority to substitute uh, his policies for that of of, of Congress. No, uh, the president is the foreign policy of the United States. It's Congress that has no authority to substitute its policies regarding foreign policy for that of the president. Let me give you an example. Let's assume that Congress authorized a billion dollars for Cuba. And the president said, no, 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 no. That's not my foreign policy. I think Cuba is an enemy, not a friend. I'm not going to give them one nickel under any circumstances. Uh, Any attempt to try to prevent the president from doing that would be unconstitutional. And if the statute applies to that kind of a situation, it too would be unconstitutional. So the GAO is totally wrong. And the reason it's wrong is because it's a congressional uh, committee. It's basically set up by Congress. It always sides with Congress over the president. But in this case, it got it completely backwards. Lev Parnas has made uh, headlines with his interviews this week. I understand materials from Lev Parnas have been delivered to the Senate as part of the record. He has said that through Jay Sekulow, he got permission from the president for John Dowd, the president's former lawyer, to represent him. Does this potentially make Sekulow a witness and thus ineligible to act as a lawyer in this case? It's not completely, first of all, not clear to me that any witnesses will be called. Um, And so that wouldn't be the case. Normally, uh, a person can't be a witness in front of a jury. Um, in an impeachment proceeding, it may be very different. I doubt in the end that uh, Sekulow will be uh, disqualified from being uh, a lawyer. He's a, a very good lawyer and an invaluable lawyer for the president. What I also doubt is that uh, Parnas will ever be called as a witness. He's a deeply flawed witness under indictment, and uh, most prosecutors would never dream of calling a witness like that uh, and and, and support their credibility. Now, he may be called to produce documents, and documents often are self-proven. So that may happen, but um, I don't think he'll be called and, and his credibility vouched for. Uh, we are running short on time. Uh, what will be uh, your activities uh, in the next few days as you prepare for your argument, and when do you anticipate delivering it? 
I anticipate delivering it on Friday. Um, I've been working very hard, uh, reading all the congressional debates or reading all the history of how the impeachment provisions got into the Constitution and why there's no abuse of power or or uh, obstruction of Congress as criteria for impeachment. I'll be ready not only to present my argument, but to answer any questions put to me by senators or other lawyers. And uh, as the president's lawyer, I take it uh, that uh, you are uh, subject to attorney-client privilege with him. Well, uh, it's not clear whether my role involves that. I mean, we've not had any conversation, so it's a moot issue. We've not had any conversations about the merits of the case. So right now, there would be no lawyer-client privilege to to invoke. I have no real intention of becoming involved in the details of the case, and there's no reason for me to have to talk to the president about my constitutional arguments. He knows what they are. He's read them in my books and articles. He's seen them on television. Uh, Nothing I say will be secret or based on any confidential communications. Professor Alan Dershowitz of Harvard Law School, uh, we could speak all afternoon, but we really appreciate your taking the time to speak with us. Thank you.